It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. Today on Confidence in Bloom, I will be speaking with a beautiful woman that has taken on a position that we all at one time or another will have or have needed. We will be talking about grief and loss. This time of year is difficult when healing from losing someone close to the heart. Loss of family or friend hurts no matter the time of year, but it's extra difficult when planning to be near loved ones knowing there will be a missing loved one. Grief and loss is not only for loved ones. We feel grief when there is loss of a job, a pet, moving homes, or any big changes in life. Christy Bennett is a certified grief recovery specialist, funeral life cycle celebrant, and is in the final stages of completing her Master of Counseling degree. She is currently an intern psychologist at Strathern Psychology in Edmonton and provides counseling to children, teens, and adults, as well as couples and families. Since the devastating loss of her mom in 2015, Christy has developed a strong passion for serving and the grieving community. She realized how ill-equipped most of us are to deal with death. Christy wants to change how we think about grief and help others gain the tools needed to move through their pain. Christy's aim in therapy is to create a safe space to meet her clients as they are. Each client brings the expertise of their own life into session, and Christy feels honored to hear their story and join them in their healing journey. Hi, Christy. Welcome to the Confidence in Bloom. Oh, hi, Tina. So happy to be here. Excellent. Yes, I'm so, I mean, unfortunately, you know, we all have to deal with grief, but it's so awesome that you are here in Edmonton and you can help a community that needs you. I mean, everywhere around the world, we have to deal with loss. But knowing that you're here close to my heart makes me feel so much more safe, I guess, is the word I want to use. Um, yes. Just before we get started, Christy, can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about what you do in your position? Absolutely. So initially, um, after my mom died in 2015, I got, eventually I came across this beautiful program called the Grief Recovery Method, and it spoke to my heart, and I knew I wanted to spread the word about this program, so I became certified as a specialist in that. So I worked initially with people in grief, um, helping them move through various types of grief, like you mentioned in the opening, job loss, health loss, death, divorce, relationship end, many, many other things. But what I found was I was a little bit limited in my training when it came to grief. I felt like I I really have this thirst for knowledge, and I wanted to do more for people and give them more support. So what I did was I enrolled in a Master's of Counseling program, and as you mentioned, I'm in my final year of school, and my goal is to become a registered psychologist in the next uh, two years. So I currently work as an, as an intern psychologist at a wonderful place in the city called Strathern Psychology. And there I counsel people on, on various issues, mental health issues, but very 
dear to my heart is grief and loss. Um, I just feel because of what I went through with my own mom that I feel like this is a very special place for me. It's very close to my heart. And I love walking with people in their healing journey in that way. So I do online therapy as well as in-person therapy. And, uh, yeah, so I welcome all age groups, actually. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I imagine, like, depending on the stage of life that we're in, we deal with it differently. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate you bringing that up because definitely where we are in our life, it's, it's really reflective in how we grieve, right? So, and it also depends, too, if you think of the older we get, the longer our relationship will be with somebody or even something like a job. And when we lose that, of course, the grief is going to be much deeper and it can be sometimes much more painful, too. Right, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, I'm, I'm going to assume, like, I mean, generally the tools are going to be the same that you teach them. But how do you deal with, say, a child who's, you know, because really children don't understand what the mm-hmm. loss is. In, I mean, they know that I'm never going to see this person before, but, you know, they get over it very quickly. But a, an older person, you know, who's just lost their spouse of, you know, let's say 50-some years, how, how do you, mm-hmm. like, help them, like, each, like a grandchild in this case, and mm-hmm. the spouse deal with the same loss? Oh, gosh. Um, I just want to make, it's a really important note that you bring up children in this, because they've actually been you know, termed and actually also described as often the forgotten mourners. And what that means is sometimes when we look at children, they don't look like they're grieving. They still might have most, mostly moments of happiness and joy and they're able to play and they're able to go out with their friends. That does not mean to say that they're not grieving on the inside. So this is a very, very important aspect of grief that I like to teach any parents that have gone through a significant loss is it's really important to kind of check in with your child at all times and have a really open conversation with them. And that changes. So a child that's very, very young isn't really going to understand death. And they might like have a lot of questions to ask. And what I encourage is really to to answer them really honestly and factually and that's very important for a child. You know, it might seem like really matter-of-fact how they speak about the death, but it's really important to answer, you know, in an honest way and not have any expectations of how a child should grieve. And as they get older, if they experience a death when they're young, as they grow older and change and their cognitive abilities develop, they're probably going to go through another grieving phase where, you know, it hits them a little bit differently. And again, the questions might come out again. So I think that parents need to understand that if it is a child, grieving comes and goes, and it will look different as the child ages. But it's really just important to validate the feelings that come with it and allow your child to express the feelings without trying to fix it. And that's the best advice that I can actually give for all ages is when I can, yeah, yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. yeah, no, go ahead, because the validation part of the feelings 
and allowing somebody to express their loss and feel sad about their loss or angry about their loss, you know, you validate them, let them have that without trying to fix it or take it away. Right. And then that, and that mm-hmm. like applies to like everything that a child goes through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I do remember as a parent, you know, um, my kids were like young adolescents to older adolescents when my mom died. And um, it's hard because you're grieving as a parent. Like I was devastated by the loss of my own mom. So it was very difficult then to bring that up with my children. You know, it was so painful. Like I would just break out in tears. And often as parents, we think that we need to be strong for our children. But what we really, really need to be is honest and open about our feelings and allow them to see that emotion is okay so they can express it in themselves as well. So it, it is, um, and it can be with anything too, like children experience so much different kind of loss, right? Like loss of friendships, loss of maybe academic performance, maybe a loss of a sport. And it's really, really important to just allow that uh, those feelings to come out and validate that, for sure. Yeah, and I think too, like you know, like when you you, you made a comment about how, as parents, we we want to be strong or we need to be strong for our kids, mm-hmm. but really yeah. we're only doing ourselves harm. Like we're not yeah. allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and to feel the hurt. Because, I mean, we have to feel the hurt. Feel the hurt, we can't heal it. Correct. That is such an important uh, thing to say. It is the number one. And I think that parents were natural fixers. We're problem solvers. We want to dive in. We We don't want to see our children hurt. We don't want to. It's really painful to see your child suffering. And what we tend to do is jump in and say, hey, hey, buddy, I know you're hurting. Um, but why don't we go get, like, some ice cream to feel better? Or why don't we go buy you a new toy to kind of make you feel better? These type of things are actually really invalidating and don't teach kids that emotion is okay, that sometimes we just need to sit in it. And, you know, because I think you know, Tina, like, we feel uncomfortable. Like, you know, when you're with a child that's sad or an adult that's sad, we start to feel uncomfortable, Right. We want to take that feeling. Yeah, Yeah. we want to take those feelings of uncomfortability or like, oh my gosh, I feel I don't know what to say. We want to take that away from themselves, so we jump in and try and fix it. But you're right. In order to heal, we really need to allow the feelings to come out. We absolutely do because problems start arising when we don't allow this, and we stuff and we let our kids stuff it inside, or we stuff it inside. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So what kinds of tools do you teach then to um, help someone heal from a death? Well, I want to start off saying that the initial, when somebody um, you love dies, the initial period, the initial grieving period is incredibly painful. And that is the first thing I want to acknowledge is that a lot of people don't, they're not, uh, they've never maybe experienced a death before. They're not sure what it feels like. They feel these incredible, overwhelming, painful emotions that also create physical pain in their body, and they start to think that something is wrong with them. Why am I hurting this bad? This, this can't be right. Like, 
you know, they start to um, resist the pain that they're in. I want to completely normalize that today. It is, loss is incredibly painful. And at first you're going to feel numb. You're going to lose concentration. You're going to be in a fog. You're, you might experience um, physical pains and aches in your body and upset stomach, headaches. These are all things that are very, very, very normal, right? And you might just feel like a yearning for that person to come back. Like it's just overwhelming. And so I first kind of educate people on this process that it is almost you kind of feel that numbness because your brain is trying to protect you and allow that loss to slowly sink in, right? And it can be... So I kind of allow people to, um, you know, I educate people on that process. And then I also educate people on, on what kinds of things keep them stuck in grief. And what I mentioned before is resisting the pain, thinking that it's not normal, thinking that I need to go to the doctor because I'm now depressed. That's generally not the case. Um, and then we kind of go through a process of educating, like, there's myths around grief that have been passed down to us that are, aren't helpful. Um, you know, that feeling that, an example, one of them would be that feeling that I shouldn't feel bad and I can't express that, right? Suggesting that, that feeling bad or sad is not really an appropriate reaction. Sometimes we get that out in society. People try to really? take that away from us by saying, like, don't feel bad. They're in a better place. I'm sure a lot of right. our listeners have heard that. Don't feel bad. You know, she's not suffering anymore. While that might be true, say my mom wasn't suffering from painful cancer, but I sure have a right to feel bad and sad about it. Exactly. We kind of learn that. We also learn that keeping busy. A lot of people tell us, keep busy. Keep busy. Time will pass. You'll start to feel better. And what I find with most of my clients is that keeping busy will backfire. Um, you know, in a couple months' time, they're feeling completely not over, not only are they feeling sad, they're, complete, they're feeling completely burned out, and uh, they're really no further along in the healing process at all. And I think another, another thing, too, that I want to say is that grieving alone is not helpful. So a lot of us think that, oh, I don't want to show anybody my sadness. I'm just going to go to my room and cry. But really, as humans, we need connection. Um, we're born with needing connection. And so really what we need to do is lean into others during that time of grieving. Like we need to learn to kind of open up and, and go to people that we trust and express our feelings. And finally, we, we talked about this, is that keeping strong for others I need to be strong. I need to be strong for my husband or I need to be strong for my kids. What I ask people there is, do you want to be strong or do you want to be human? Because really real strength is really the natural demonstration of emotion, right? That's being strong is to let somebody see you vulnerable, let people see you sad. And when we do this, it actually frees up that emotional energy where we can start to heal. So, I mean, we all know that feeling of stuffing an emotion down and then feeling later on that we're going to explode or implode ourselves. So those right. are kind of really basic tools that I do teach people to break the myth about how you heal. And so let's say someone, um, you know, lost 
you know, they're they're grieving a loss that happened, say, even 5, 10, 15 years ago, and all they mm-hmm. did was push that pain down. And they come to you and they say, I just can't deal yeah. with this. I don't know how to do that. Like, you, do you need to start basically from the beginning again? Yes. I mean, in a way, right? I'm sure at that point, like, we, and, and I want to say it's interesting that you bring this up because I think that we all know people that 15, you know, years later, they're still talking about a loss. And we can see the pain in them. Like, it's, it's incredibly obvious that they're still in a lot of pain from that loss if they're especially talking about it in negative terms, you know, and if, and also what I ask people to be aware of, if you're, if your person is talking in, what if I had done this? What if those, what ifs are really dangerous and tell me that people are stuck in their grief. So the process of that is usually when they come to see me is that we will do that grief education again. What does grief look like? But often what I dive into is something called a relationship review with that person that they've lost. And this is really starting at the beginning of when they first met that person. Um, and we go through experiences that were good and bad with that person. And what I'm looking for there is, is experiences or memories where they're stuck, where they have a lot of regret, where they might feel a lot of guilt. And they're stuck ruminating in these what ifs. And that's when we start to slowly process those emotions and those hard memories. And that's kind of where I dive in uh, with people. And it's really a beautiful process that not only brings out the negative and processes and, and allows people to move through it, but it also brings up a whole bunch of beautiful memories that we can keep alive and cherish going forward. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess, and that's part of it, right? I mean, because, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we're grieving the, the loss of that person who takes up the chair beside us, but we're also, like, there's no more memories to be made. Like, we're missing that, right? I mean, yes, yeah. we'll always have those memories, good and bad, but we're, you know, now there's no more to come, right? And yeah. I think that's part of what we're grieving. So oh. with... With the holidays coming, I mean, like now we're going to be having, you know, Christmas dinners and, you know, like family get-togethers and gatherings. When there's that person that, you you know, you look forward to seeing and you know this year they're not going to be here, how do mm-hmm. you help uh, one of your patients kind of deal with that? Oh, this is really incredibly painful for people. Um, and I want to say generally, this isn't for everybody, but generally the very first Christmas is incredibly painful. Like it's almost like it starts the the gloom and doom and the anxiety in the stomach and the tenseness in the body starts for people that have lost somebody special to them in like October. I'm not joking. Like they start thinking about, oh my gosh, the holidays are coming up. I, I don't think I could do this. And it's an incredibly overwhelming feeling. And a part of that is kind of what you touched on just a minute ago was that loss that you won't have any new memories. So what we've lost in the death is um, really our hopes and dreams and experiences with that person in the future. And that can be incredibly painful to think that we're not going to be making those memories anymore with them. So I really go gently about um, the holiday season. I really emphasize people to really 
take some minutes of, of, of a day and think about what they really want Christmas to look like for them. We feel so much pressure at Christmas to, you know, shop like crazy, cook like crazy, um, feel joy and happiness. And you know what? That's very hard to do when you're grieving. So I really encourage people to sit down and, and really imagine what Christmas, what they want Christmas to look like, and then make a plan towards that. And I think a lot of people don't do that. A lot of us, particularly women, are care day, we are caregivers, right? We want right. to make sure everybody else is okay. Is everybody else okay for Christmas? And we totally disregard our own feelings. So that's one thing I really step into is, like, what does self-care during the holidays look, look like for you? What are you going to need? Do you need time alone? No? Do you need time to reflect? Do you need to have a small Christmas get-together this year or maybe none? At, um, decide maybe about what traditionals you can, your tradition, you can or cannot do. Some things are incredibly painful that you might have done with your loved one for, you know, so many years in a row. Do you decide that you want to change it? Do you want to do a memorial regarding it? Or do you want to stick with the same traditions? I really think um, these things need to be talked about as well as what a person's roles and responsibilities are. And if there are people you can share this with that can take on some of the Christmas roles and, and duties that you find yourself falling into. So that's kind of where I start in, in that respect. Right. And then also mm -hmm. to keep in mind that there's no right or wrong answer with whatever no. you decide. Absolutely. Yeah. But as, a, as moms, as women, we really care about what people think. And we really care about making this a beautiful holiday for them. But it can be incredibly exhausting. And I think there's a point where we need to kind of dial it back and take a look at self-care for ourselves and creating some boundaries because if we don't, we honestly just burn out and then we can't give our best to others. So I really and then we also for my clients. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and then we also kind of dread the holidays and yeah. the family gatherings. Yes. Right? Like, I don't know about yeah. you, but even before my mom died, I was starting to dread the holidays because of all these expectations I put on myself. And I probably didn't stop for one moment to take care of myself. You know, it had to be perfect. So yeah. I kind of want to change that around and say, as you know, as a mom, as a woman, as a caregiver, let's change that dialogue and really let's, let's know that when we nourish and care for ourselves and give ourselves what we need, we are only better to serve others. So, right. And also I want to point out, which I think you'll agree, is that we want to be role models for our, uh, you know, our boys and girls uh, coming up, right, for our children and teaching them that Christmas is this really busy, busy time where we don't have much fun and we give, 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 give. Who, who is that serving? We're just passing down the legacy of deprivation in my mind. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Mm. We need to look forward to it, and we need to feel the joy that we're creating for everyone else. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I know, mm -hmm. I mean, grief is never easy, 
right? No. I mean, it doesn't matter what you're grieving, whether it's, you know, a family member or a good friend or a job or, you know, like yeah. I know when, so my husband and I, like we packed our family up and moved here to Edmonton um, from Calgary where we spent like, you know, like the majority of our life. And mm-hmm. it was tough. Like I found it really hard. I, you know, I, I'm close with my family and, and coming here was really hard on me. And I found that, like the the longer the time is gone, the more I miss them, and then when I see yeah. them, I, I can't get enough of them, right? And <laughs> I, I went that, through yeah. that. Yeah, like I, you know, and then of course this last summer we lost um, one of my aunts, and she was sick mm-hmm. for a very very short time, so I didn't get to spend much time with her in the last ten years, and it, I don't know, it hit me in a way that I wouldn't have expected to. And so I'm yes. kind of dreading the holidays, but at the same time, I rarely ever see her over Christmas. Yes. Right? Because yeah. our family and that, is yes. very large. Yeah. But knowing yeah. she's not there, it, it really hurts. Yes. I mean, it should hurt. Oh. Like, I'm not saying it that should, I shouldn't yes. be hurting. But, it, you know, even though I'm not, you know, would normally not see her, I feel like, I don't know, like I'm almost... I don't want to say dreading the holidays because I'm looking forward to being with my parents and my brother, you know, but at the same time, like, I'm like, it's almost like I feel like we shouldn't be celebrating. Oh, my gosh, Is I know. That like That's normal, oh, right? I, but that's a yes. normal feeling. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, if we think of kind of like the definition of, of grief, like, right, it's the normal and natural reaction to loss. Everybody knows that. But it's also the conflicting behavior. I want to. I'm going to kind of read this to you because I, I love this definition. Grief is the conflicting feelings caused by the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. So when we look at it this way, no matter what the loss is—a job loss, a health loss, um, you know, the loss of a person—is that we have conflicting feelings that are going to come with that, right? So on the one hand, like you're talking about. Um, you know, I didn't really spend a lot of time with her at Christmas. Um, and I feel really super sad about it now. So there's this feeling of, of loss and, and kind of sadness around her being gone. But then you also, you know, kind of are looking forward to holidays as well. So there's, we naturally have these conflicting feelings in us where we'll kind of go on the spectrum from really feeling sad to being like, okay, I'm going to be okay. You know, so just kind of accepting that. And it's also understanding that you have now have a void in your life, right? No matter if you saw your aunt at Christmas or not. And it is going to feel strange knowing that somebody isn't there. It's, it's a change now, right? We're going through a change. And in a way, I feel like, Tina, like you haven't had the chance to process that change, right? Because you said, you know, so it's almost like we almost, need to just take the time to process, allow our bodies to process that change, that someone isn't there anymore in space and time, to be honest, right? Right. Um, yeah, so what you feel is, is completely normal. And I guess that's part of the, like you said, like the first Christmas, the first of everything is part of that process, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I can't process that loss if I don't do that. Right, right. Right, and I do, okay, so one thing I do emphasize, and and yes, grief looks different for everybody, and everybody's going to want to deal with their grief in in different ways. I do, though, encourage for healing, 
is to not completely ignore the holidays. Um, I know that some people do that. And, you know, if that's really what they feel they, they need, then that's okay. But I do try to emphasize doing one small thing in memory of that person. Um, and just allow yourself to feel the feelings. I think that really helps us through that holiday. And then we kind of realize, okay, I made it through that holiday. And yes, maybe the next holiday is New Year's Eve, or maybe the next one's a birthday, or maybe even Valentine's Day. But you kind of know, okay, I did this thing, and I remembered my loved one, and I made it through. And yes, it's still going to be painful, but I know I can make it through. That's kind yeah. of what, you know, you know, I like to encourage people just the tiniest thing, whatever that looks like for them, even if it's just lighting a candle. Let's do that. Yeah, and I, I guess what you're saying is acknowledge the pain, mm-hmm. acknowledge yeah. the, the loss, and acknowledge yeah. that empty chair, right? This yes. is where she would have sat. She's not here to sit there, but, you know, we're going to have this drink for her or we're going to have – we're going to light this yes. candle for her or whatever yes. whatever your family tradition would be in that situation. Totally. I do. Yeah. I just want to tell you a really quick story about um, the first yes, Christmas without my mom. She was a Christmas lover. My mom connect, collected uh, Santa's. She collected Christmas Village. And she, Christmas is always big and grand. And so when that came along, and I'm telling you, in October, I started to feel oh my gosh, I, I don't know if I can do this. And, but I did take the time um, with my family to sit down and decide what we wanted to do as a group for Christmas. And I remember that day when my family, we decided they would come to my house and I feel like the dread of like mom isn't here and I was just tearful and I was not myself, I was anxious and I, I didn't know if I could get through the day. But what I decided to do was I put a picture of mom in the middle of our, you know, um, living room table, and I lit a candle for her. And I decided that I was going to be brave enough, because it was very heavy for all of us on that day, to just say one sentence about mom, right? Like, it just felt like I needed to in my heart. To not acknowledge my mom on Christmas just felt like so wrong in so many different ways. But I was scared of upsetting everybody else. But what I learned was, is I kind of blurted out, like, I just wanted to, you know, um, tell you guys how much I love you to my family and how much I miss mom and how much I know she misses us today. I just wanted to acknowledge mom and we love her. And yes, was it hard for everybody? Of course, like we had tears, but it felt like a relief after that to just speak mom's name to acknowledge her existence and how much we missed her. And I also want to make the point is that you noticed I said I was worried that I would make everybody else upset. You can't make grievers more upset than they already are. That's one mistake we we make um, is that we think that we're going to remind people of the death. Well, do you think they've forgotten the death? Absolutely not. So it's much better to say something, right, than not to say anything at all. It's yeah. kind of like uh, an elephant in the room, right? Yeah. Oh, Everyone's it feeling it. Everyone's thinking it. Someone just has to mention it, right? Yes. And so I encourage my clients to do it or encourage them if they have another family member that's willing to do it, right, for them. I encourage people to do it. And it is scary to 
Argentina. Like I was shaking. I was shaking. Um, but I felt incredible relief and I felt proud that I had done that. And I felt like mom was, was there, like felt it, you know, I yeah. need to acknowledge how much we love this person. Exactly. Cause you don't stop loving, right? Just nope. because they're not here doesn't mean you don't love them anymore. No, that's exactly true. And grief is love. And the amount that like how much you loved that person comes out in your grief and that's why it's incredibly painful if we think of it in that way how much did you love that person well that's how much how painful it is now right oh absolutely absolutely yeah Yeah. now i just had a question for you and i totally it just went right over my head (laughs) that's okay oh man oh i know it's it's not an easy topic and there's so much that we can get into but it's really about figuring out what the holidays will look like for you. And I really encourage people to think about finding meaning um, in terms of your loved one over the holidays. And what does that mean? Does that mean that you go to the cemetery and put a little wreath on their gravesite? Does that mean that you'll light the candle and, and say some words to yourself? Does that mean that you'll cook their favorite food as an acknowledgement? Um, just these little things, or maybe hanging an ornament on the tree, just these little things that create meaning and create love is really, um, I think, the best tradition of going forward. I think so, too. I think so, too. And I, and I think, and, and you'll be able to correct me if you feel I'm wrong, but I feel like the more you talk about this person or this event that is causing you the pain, the easier it is to heal. Yes, I agree with that. Because often, I mentioned earlier that we do a relationship review. And sometimes what's really, really painful is to speak about is kind of leading up to a death. Let's say if it, for example, I'm just going to use if it was an illness. And, you know, you knew death was going to happen. And so what often I do in that situation is that people need to or I try to get people to talk about that experience multiple times, right? Multiple times. When you do that, it can decrease uh, the feelings of sadness, the feelings of unresolved grief. Um, It can also change the perspective slightly of it. Um, So I, I do, you are right. I do find that that is incredibly helpful to talk about it. Yeah, because I, I remember like, and it's probably just the old, older generation with my grandparents. You know, when my grandma would cry over her uh, lost son, my grandpa would always tell her to stop crying. And oh. poor thing, she would try so hard, right? Because mm-hmm. she knew she knew that it was hurting him by showing how she was feeling, but she needed to get the grief out. And I remember thinking, just let her cry. Like this poor woman yeah. is so hurt, right? Yeah. And I, and, and I don't think, like, I mean, she may have been hurting more than he was. I don't know. I don't know if I believe that one can love more than the other. You know, they both lost a son the same way. But women mm-hmm. show it differently, right? Men show their pain in a different way. And he couldn't handle her crying, right? And I That's remember right. thinking to myself, stop telling her to stop crying. Yes, right? And he was putting his, and that's, that's not uncommon for people to do. 
is that maybe he put his way of grieving onto her, right? So maybe his grieving was spending time alone in his own thoughts. Um, You know, so he was trying to, you know, help her in that way. Like, or he was feeling uncomfortable knowing that it was bringing uncomfortable feelings for him up. And he didn't know how to deal with that. And that's often what we, you know, I find that people do in society is, you know, they kind of emphasize their own grieving style. They try to put that on someone else. But really, we all need to grieve in our own way and be allowed to do that. Absolutely. I agree 100% yeah. there. Yeah. And I also, different. yes, totally. And I just want to jump in quickly about grieving amongst the male-female population, right? Um, of course, when you think, like, traditionally, men were taught to be strong, not to, you know, have emotion, not to express it. And women were seen as more emotional, sensitive, and they expressed it more. I am finding that that is slowly changing today. I am finding that some of my male clients are able to express emotion um, more readily. So, and there's also, too, I, I try to end that stereotype that showing emotion is a weakness, is wrong. Um, you know, because a lot of my female clients think that, oh, I'm weak because I cry. Oh, no, no, no. Not at all, right? Like showing emotion is not a weakness. We can be both strong and show emotion. You know, so we need to really get rid of that dialogue that, that is really out there in society. Right. And that like that's just like the old way of thinking, right? That's yeah. The old generation and that was, you know, it, it was all just for what people people what what are people gonna think? We need to stop thinking yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah, totally. Right? And you, I think yeah. you know, too, how hard it is to be vulnerable. Right? 100%. You have to be strong. Who wants to be? Right. No, you, right. You have to be very strong to be vulnerable. So I want people to kind of think about that phrase, right, when they're holding in their emotion. Am I being strong? That's a question there. Yeah, because mm. I, I feel like when you're holding it in and it wants to come out, you're, you're afraid. Yeah. Right, you're yeah. not being strong. Exactly. You're being afraid. Yeah. yeah, you're staying in that yeah. comfort zone, right? Yes. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. So tell our listeners, Christy, how they can get a hold of you. Oh gosh. Well, I'm definitely. I think that you guys will have the links to um, my social media. I love providing like grief education and also promoting self care for women, particularly but also men as well on my uh, media site. So I would love for you to follow me on that. And you can also connect with me on those sites. And currently, as I mentioned before, I'm working at Strather and Psychology. And the website will also be there for people to connect with me in that way. So I, I would love uh, to help anyone that's you know, struggling right now, particularly at this time of year. Um, I would be honored to join anyone on their healing journey. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christy. This was awesome. Uh, probably we can chat again. We, you know, you could always come back as another <laughs> as a guest on, on another episode because I know with grief, there's so much more that we can talk oh. about. I mean, this time of year, oh, at Christmas yes. time, it is very difficult for some people. But I mean, mm. let's face it, grief is never easy, no matter what time of the year it is. So thank you That's so much right. for joining me, and we will chat again. Okay, thank you so much, Tina. Anytime I get to talk about grief, 
is a wonderful thing. So thank awesome. you for spreading the message. Confidence in Bloom is a celebration of self-love, a confirmation that you are an amazing, desirable, brilliant, gorgeous, talented woman, even though you may not look like a screen star or supermodel. The truth is they don't even look like that. We offer unconditional love to our partners, our children, our extended family, even our pets. It's high time we got out of our own way and learned to unconditionally love ourselves. Chic definitely does come in every shape. So if you want something to believe in, start with yourself. If you'd like to be a guest here on Confidence in Bloom and chat with me, contact me through Instagram at InfoBloomStyling or by email at Tina at InfoBloomStyling.com or through the Divas That Care website. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on divasthatcare.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.